I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello everyone and welcome along to this episode of La Liga Loden, which is also rebroadcast on Sirius XMFC 157 and which is hosted by me, Ewan McTeer. It's our Match Day 38 recap, our final recap of the 2019-20 season, a very unique season with so many unexpected twists and turns and the drama continued all the way into the final match day. We already knew that Real Madrid had won the league title, but the Europa League race and the relegation battle we're both very much alive and we'll be discussing all of that in part one here. We'll get on to the drama of the relegation battle a little later on as Leganes suffered heartbreak and as Celta Vigo survived. But first, let's discuss the four-way fight for the final two Europa League spots. Coming into the final match date, Real Sociedad and Hitafi occupied 6th and 7th, the final two spots for that Europa League ticket. Real Sociedad have stayed there thanks to their 1-1 draw away at Atletico Madrid with a late Adnan Yanezai goal doing the job for them but Hitafi have dropped out and been replaced in the top 7 by Granada, newly promoted Granada who will be playing European football for the first time in their history after smashing Athletic Club 4-0. So let's get the fan reaction from Granada to start off this podcast. Here's Granada resident and Granada fan Heath Chester's and his quite emotional reaction from shortly after full time on Sunday night. For about the first time in my life, um, I'm practically at a loss for words about Granada, about what to say after after qualifying for Europe after one of the, the tensest days I've ever experienced watching this club on the final day of the season. It, normally, for Granada over the years, it's been one year of suffering after another, going into the final day of the season staring relegation in the face um, but this year it, it just tops everything um, it, absolutely spectacular it's, it's so hard to describe the sensations after starting watching this club in the Tercera division the fourth tier of Spanish football um, and losing against local side Loja um, the journey that, that it's been following this club all the way to this point to getting in Europe uh, something that I'd always dreamed about and now it's here. It's absolutely unbelievable. Uh, but this season has been absolutely amazing. Um, from the start of the campaign when people were saying Granada will go back down um, to, to everybody jumping on the, the Diego Martinez bandwagon. Um, but 
those of us following Granada in Segunda Division and when he arrived and how quickly he brought his, his, his ethos of hard work, the group, um, everybody pulling in the same direction, players in interviews always talking about him and the team before themselves, shrugging off individual praise and talking about the team, the group, what it means to work as a hard, compact unit. And, and that's what this Granada is all about. It's absolutely amazing to finish seventh, first season back in La Liga, qualify for the Europa League, reach the semi-finals of the Copa del Rey. Diego Martinez, he's got to be manager of the year. And he might get a bronze statue at, at, up at the Alhambra. Who knows? Um, but it's been absolutely fantastic. I, I don't know what else to say. Um, apart from now, we're looking forward to the, the draws. It's going to be tough. It's going to be a hard season next season. We, we'll probably have a little bit better budget. But, um, you know, as I said before, que bendito sufrimiento, what a way to suffer. There's, there's no better suffering than watching Granada. Uh, absolutely brilliant. Thanks. He's really happy for you and for all the Granada fans who have seen their team come so far. It sounds like even the dogs in the city are excited as well, and rightly so. Let's bring in Paco Pollock now to discuss all of the drama from that Europa League race. Just quickly, here's a summary of the results that mattered here. Granada hosted Athletic Club, and as we mentioned, they won 4-0. Then Real Sofida drew at Atletico Madrid 1-1. Hitafi lost at Levante 1-0. And Valencia, who also had an outside chance at qualification, they lost 1-0 at Sevilla. Paco, I know that Sevilla versus Valencia was the game you were focusing on the most. Sevilla deservedly won, didn't they? You only have to take a quick look at the stats. Only two shots on target in over 90 minutes. Not enough to beat Sevilla at home. And Lopetegui's side dominated the ball possession and the whole game through and through. No question about that. They had clear chances, they hit the woodwork once, and Sergio Reguilón's finish was absolutely magnificent, even though he was obviously helped by just how passive Valencia's defense were. I had the small hope that Valencia would at least try harder, but this this team has suffered too many blows since September and even though they kept their consistency the first few months, the last half a year for them has been incredibly awful and obviously not worthy of squeezing into European competitions. Just how serious is the lack of European football for Valencia? You know, the sentence I've been using the last few days is quite fitting. Valencia had already failed this season by not entering the next Champions League, and now, after finishing ninth, their season can be qualified as an absolute disaster. We already knew that Valencia will have to sell around 50 or 60 million euros in players this summer. Not playing the Europa League makes this financial burden even bigger. Not that the management really cares though, because they already have told some carefully chosen players and their agents, Parejo, Coquelin, Condobia and a few others, to please start looking for formal offers because they will be transferred in the next few weeks. So the lack of European football is pure drama for the club, but possibly the drama will be even bigger once players start walking out the door pushed out by the management. The other team to miss out on Europe is Hitafi after losing to Levante. This was a crazy game in terms of VAR, wasn't it? I seriously believe Ángel Rodríguez will have nightmares with what happened against Levante on Sunday. Up to three goals were disallowed by VAR, two of them to the veteran striker. If you add that, 
Jaime Mata missed a penalty when he's one of the best takers of the league, that Levante lined up plenty of players who not usually start on the team, and that Getafe realized in the last 10 minutes that they had to win if they wanted to climb to European spots. At the end of the day, Koki Andujar took advantage of a late goal and picked up three points for Levante, which make this team the second best ever in La Liga. Crazy game overall, but a really cruel end to a big season by Getafe. It's a second year on a row that they fall short just by an inch in the last game. Let's talk about the two teams who did get into the Europa League, Real Sociedad and Granada. We've heard from Heath with the fan view as a neutral looking on. How amazing is this achievement? from Diego Martinez and Granada. I think it's huge. It's absolutely huge. I think he's my manager of the season, hands down. And it's amazing the way Granada have played since that first game against Villarreal back in August. 4-4 in Estadio La Ceramica. I was there. I saw the game. I enjoyed the game. And I was amazed at how Granada had so much personality after having just promoted from Segunda. When they later were top of the league after beating Betis on match 10, everyone realized that they weren't a one-hit wonder. And seeing them keep that consistency and finally make their assault on the seventh place in the last few games was as exciting as it gets. Equipo Revelación, as we say in Spanish, breakout team of the season, hands down, and congratulations to Diego Martinez and his lads. And Real Sofidad sneaked in with that late Janazai goal. It would have been a big disappointment, though, for them to have missed out, wouldn't it? Because they spent all but three match days this season inside the top seven. You know, I think they did most of the job in the first half of the season when they were a Champions League contender and actually I believe that they have underperformed after the break, the form wasn't the same, they had the fourth place at hand but they disappointed in quite a few clutch games and they had to cling to European spots thanks to that late Janothai goal. So their European ticket is well deserved in my view, even though I suspect both the squad and the management in Real Sociedad will have that bittersweet feeling of knowing that that they could have done much, much better. Thanks, Paco. The other main area of focus on Sunday night was down at the bottom of the table in the relegation battle. One of Celta Vigo or Leganes had to go down. Leganes were the team starting the round inside the relegation zone and then needed to defeat the newly crowned champions Real Madrid at home and then hope that Celta Vigo failed to win at bottom-placed Espanyol. It seemed impossible, but as Marcus Headline put it at full-time, Leganes came within centimetres of the miracle. Celta Vigo stay up, but not because of anything they did at Espanyol. They were very poor as they drew 0-0 there at the bottom place side. That meant a Leganes win against Real Madrid would save them, and they almost did it. After Sergio Ramos put Real Madrid ahead, Brian Heal equalised. Then, after Marco Sensio scored again for the champions, Roger Asali equalised again. And then there was a huge penalty shout when the ball struck Luka Jovic's arm in the penalty area. But amazingly, no spot kick was given. And then, with mere seconds left, Leganes' Real Madrid loanee, Oscar Rodriguez, had this chance. Well, one more chance. One more chance for Leganes. Played out wide to that far side. And now it's all hands to the pump as Oscar Rodriguez leads the charge. There's seven players. Oscar Rodriguez is keep going and he's had an opportunity and Oscar Rodriguez could have been a hero there for Leganes and with the final shot one would suspect of this game he's lifted it up and over the crossbar. His shot flew just over the bar and that was that for Leganes who go back down 
to the second division after four years in the top flight. It's a really tough blow for them and for most neutrals, I think, because they've done so much as a club to win people over from their match day posters to Super Pepino, the mascot, to just the brilliant and family-friendly match day experience if you've ever been to a game there at Butarque. Let's hope they're back soon and, of course, we hope the same for Espanyol and Real Mallorca who joined Leganes in going down. Real Mallorca's relegation was confirmed on Thursday night and we didn't get the chance to speak to our Real Mallorca man Alex Fitzpatrick then because he was on a flight at the time the game was going on. I think this is the first game Alex has missed all season and it was the toughest one. We speak to Alex now and first off, what were your feelings personally as you landed and saw those results? Yeah, incredibly sad on landing, seeing the results. I thought that they would uh, do a little bit more in the second half than they did and to land and, and see the results and see Mallorca's defeat and obviously the results elsewhere as well, which spelt relegation, was, was particularly particularly sad. I did truly believe that in those final two games they'd given themselves a chance and that they would get something from that Granada game. And uh, yeah, just incredibly sad on a on a personal level as a supporter on a professional level working um in the club and and also on a on a professional level from the point of view that there are people who i know at the club whose jobs will not be there next year as a result of the relegation they will have to move on and and potentially one or two of them actually leave the island and uh, for myself it won't affect whether i can stay on the island or not but it certainly will affect the extent to which I'm able to work um, pitch side and, and for La Liga TV. So, yeah, particularly sad. Yeah, it is sad. A lot of great people working in and around the club, yourself obviously included, Alex. With this relegation, it wasn't just this Granada game that did it for Real Mallorca on Thursday night. Is there another game where you look back and think they really could or should have got more from? I think the one game in the in the last few weeks that you would have to look at is the Leganes one at Tom Marshall, the Visit Mallorca study that they led from very early in the game with a Salva Sevilla free kick and in truth they were hanging on and it, it was some bizarre substitutions, very unlike Vicente Moreno, uh, gave the impetus to Leganes and they played well Leganes that night but they looked like getting nothing until maybe five minutes before the end of the game when Oscar Rodriguez smashed the free kick in from 30 odd yards you know from a, a distance that you would not expect a player to be scoring from had they picked up all three points at that point at that stage well it would have meant going into these two final games that they were only two points behind the other sides uh, that would have absolutely uh, made a difference how do you rate their chances of bouncing straight back up and Will it be with Vicente Moreno? Because lots of reports are suggesting he's off. I don't think he will stay. I think um, I think he'll leave. I think possibly he feels that his cycle at the club has come to an end. It's the end of his third year at the club. He does have a contract until I think it's 2022. But at the end of his third year at the club, he's had two promotions in a row and then a relegation. And... I feel for him personally, there's probably nothing to be gained from him staying with Mallorca, really. If he gets Mallorca back up, it's not going to add anything to his CV. He's already got a promotion from the Segunda 
on his CV. Uh, and if he fails to do so, then it will go up again as a black mark against his name with some. Um, talking more in terms of his future career than necessarily in and around the club. So I think he will leave. Um, although at the minute the speculation is that he'll leave to Espanyol, which to me would be a bizarre move. Of course, they are a, a big club, but a troubled club in many ways and also will be in the Segunda next year. So that move wouldn't make sense to me. But if he was moving to leave the game for a little while and then pick up an opportunity in La Liga, um, either through the season as someone is sacked or in the off-season, that, that would make sense to me. In terms of Mallorca's chances of bouncing straight back up, well, it depends on a few things. In fact, many things, lots of variables, really. So it's difficult to say at this point who will the manager be. That obviously makes a huge difference. Which players will be retained? There will be players such as Ante Boudemir, scored 12 goals this season, only taken only two of those penalties. Um, Baba, Idrissou Baba in midfield. And Martin Valiant at centre-back. I think those three will have teams looking at them in this off-season, particularly Valiant, who has a fairly low release clause. If Mallorca can retain all three of those, I think they stand a hell of a chance because they've got a spine of a team there, which is really a good foundation to build from. They'll need to add some attacking flair in the forward positions. They lose Take Kubo and Cucho Hernandez, who go back on loan. They'll need to add fullbacks left and right because it's been a real problem position, particularly left back for them this season. I think they'll get another year out of Salva Sevilla. So, it really depends on how much continuity they can have. Pablo Wartels came as sporting director from Villarreal, and if, if he can add some good quality to the squad, then there's every chance. Thanks, Alex. Well, we'll all be looking on at the Segunda with great interest next season as Real Mallorca, Espanyol and Leganés go down. Coming up, we've got Cadiz and Huesca who have secured automatic promotion. And then there's the playoffs still to come because... Spanish football isn't completely over yet, remember. For now, that's everything for part one of this podcast. In part two, we'll talk some Barcelona, some Villarreal and much more. That's coming up after this short pause. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast.
Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome back to this match day recap. Our last from the 2019-20 La Liga season. It's been a season to forget for Barcelona, but they did finish in style by thrashing Alaves 5-0 in the final round. Two Messi goals and then one each for Ansu Fati, Luis Suarez and Nelson Semedo. They even hit the woodwork three times too, so it could have been even more. Let's discuss that game and Barcelona's overall situation now with Barcelona fan Roman de Arquer. Roman, how necessary was a performance like this one after the disappointment of midweek? Well, it was definitely necessary for two reasons. First of all, because the Champions League is right round the corner and Barcelona, I think, needed to uh, face that game after a good performance, after a boost of confidence and not like uh, losing against Osasuna and then suddenly uh, finding yourself playing against Napoli and, you know, with the momentum really uh, out of the picture. So I think this uh, good performance, particularly the first half, will maybe give Barcelona the belief they need to, to, to know that they can actually make it through to the next round. And the other reason I think it's for Kike Setien himself, because we know that his position is in jeopardy. He's not sure if he'll continue. Apparently, he'll go on until the Champions League. But a defeat here might have just completely wiped him uh, from the bench. So at least now he has the extra confidence and the belief that he will also continue at the club for that important game in the Champions League. Due to uh, Clement Longley injury, the centre-back pairing as Barcelona completed the league season was Ronald Araujo and Arturo Vidal. If Somebody had told you that at the start of the season, which you have believed them. I probably would have laughed at them, Ewan. I mean, I'm going to be honest. It's just uh, quite shameful for uh, Barcelona to have to reach this point. But it all comes down to terrible planning, as we've, as we've mentioned often during the season. Uh, in that winter market specifically, uh, some players were sold, but not enough were brought in to compensate uh, the squad. And there's been a lack of depth in that bench during uh, the second half of the season. And Barcelona have really felt it, especially towards the end. Yeah, there just weren't enough players, like you say, just literally not enough bodies. Only three outfielders on the bench for Barcelona, so where was everybody? Well, we actually had four injured players, which are Griezmann, Dembélé, Arthur and Umtiti. And we had also three suspended players with Pique, Junior Firpo and uh, Rakitic unavailable. So usually in these situations, Barca would just pick players from the B team, like we saw with Ansu Fati or Ricky Puig, who have been playing often with the uh, uh, first team. But in this case, Barca B were playing on the same day as the main team, because they're playing for the playoffs to go up to uh, Segunda División against Valladolid Promesas. Fortunately, they won that game 3-2, but they also had a very short squad, so they couldn't provide any players uh, to the main team. And as a matter of fact, it was said that maybe Ansu Fati or Ricky Puig could actually play with uh, Barca B because it's a very important game for them and they've also played uh, with the B team uh, many games but uh, Kike Setien wanted them uh, on his side because he doesn't want to accumulate further injuries 
um, in the first team and he's thinking about that Champions League game so he thought it would be better to keep them but maybe now that they've gone through Barca B to the next round Ansu Fati and Ricky Puch might just uh, play because it's a semi-final now and that will be a very crucial game uh, for the Barca B team well, yeah, in the end, Ansu Fati played with the first team and he scored again. Has Fati's emergence been the best piece of news about Barcelona this season? Absolutely one of the best things that Barcelona have uh, provided this season because we've seen that in terms of performances and titles, it's been quite uh, disappointing directly, I could say that. But at least we've seen talent rise. Uh, for example, Ansu Fati, you've mentioned, he's been amazing. He scored uh, many more goals than we could have ever expected. Uh, he's been a fantastic player for this side. He's given that electricity the team needed on that left wing. And he really looks like a talented player because let's not forget, he's just 17 years old. He's so, so young. And to that, we can add names like Ricky Puch, who's been great uh, with Kike Setien in this uh, last bit of the league after coming back from the break and also Ronald Araujo has left some good uh, moments so I mean these players hopefully will um, integrate fully next season they'll be an important part of the main team Finally Roman I have a question about another interesting matter in Catalan football UE Cornea won their match in the first round of the Segunda B playoffs if they get promoted into the second division they would face Espanyol and this would be a very unique derby, wouldn't it? Can you explain just how close UE Cornea's and Espanyol's stadiums are? Many of our followers will know that Cornea is really, really close to Barcelona because, of course, Espanyol have their stadium there. But uh, Cornea's stadium is literally about 10 steps away from the RCD stadium. They're basically touching w one right next to the other. And uh, the Cornea stadium has a capacity of 1,500, whereas Espanyol stadium has a capacity of over 40,000 people. So the comparison is quite impressive. But Cornea, they're um, for the third consecutive year fighting in the playoffs to try and get to Segunda División. They're a very humble side, which have always worked their youth systems really well. Uh, most of the lower categories from Cornea are always on the top divisions uh, they can reach. And so they've always nurtured really important players such as um, Jordi Alba, for example, uh, also Enrique Gallego, uh, Victor Ruiz, etc, etc. So Cornellar are a team that has always uh, worked on young talent and now maybe and hopefully they'll deservedly get up to Segunda División for the first time, which would just be amazing. And having both teams on the same division would just be an incredible story, you know. Fans would just basically not have to move because, as I said, the stadium is right by uh, the RCD Stadium. Really interesting stuff, Roman. Thanks for that insight there. We've got a few games left to talk about and uh, a few games that didn't really have anything riding on them. One of those was Osasuna against Real Mallorca. It finished 2-2, so Real Mallorca picked up their sixth away point of the season. Yes, just their sixth. That's another of the reasons why they're going down. It very nearly could have been an Osasuna win though as Jose Arnaiz looked to have made it 3-2 in stoppage time but VAR intervened and drilled that one out. We also had Real Valladolid versus Real Betis, two teams missing a lot of players. Real Valladolid had a lot of injuries, Real Betis had a lot of suspensions. So we saw a couple of lineups we've never really seen before and we saw Real Valladolid win the game 2-0. That means they finish in 13th position which is actually so impressive. I think... Granada's Diego Martinez has to be the coach of the season. He really does, but Real Valladolid Sergio can't be far behind. 
Then one of the other matches that had nothing really riding on it ended up being one of the most emotional of the final round. Villarreal already knew they were into the Europa League and Ebert already knew they were safe from relegation and Villarreal smashed the Basque side 4-0 in this game that didn't really matter but this match will stick in the memory for Villarreal fans not because of the result but because of the goodbyes. This was the final Villarreal match for Santi Cazorla ahead of his move to Qatar and it was the final match for Bruno Soriano ahead of his retirement from football as they were both subbed off in the final 10 minutes it was quite emotional at the Estadio de la Ceramica. Here's what those substitutions sounded like. And now it's time to stand up and clap. Santi Casorla is going to be replaced. The tribute from all his teammates, Manu Trigueros, will replace him. That's one of them. Moments of the season, Santi Casorla saying goodbye to La Liga Santander. Villarreal preparing another massive tribute this time for Bruno Soriano. Please stand up again as a legend of the club, one club man, Casorla, the president Francisco Roche. Soriano, tears in his eyes, came back after injury, three years out. Then come back for this to retire the best possible way from football inside of a pitch. Like Calleja also, tears in his eyes. What a day at La Ceramica. A smile of happiness, of relief. That was the players, the coaching staff and the directors who were in the stadium that were applauding so loudly and then at the end of the match both Cazorla and Bruno received a guard of honour from both sets of players, the Iber ones too. Really emotional stuff and there was also a lot of passion after the first Villarreal goal. Zambo Anguisa scored it and then immediately ran to hug coach Javi Calleja who, it's been reported, will be replaced by Unai Emery. So there's a lot going on at Villarreal that we should discuss so Let's do that now with Alan Dodson of the Virial USA SB Nation website. Firstly, Alan, congratulations on Virial making it into the Europa League, and they did that with a round to spare. How pleasantly surprised were you by that qualification, which didn't seem so likely back when we had the coronavirus pause? So, yes, Virial made it into the Europa League with a round to spare. I don't think we could have predicted that. Um, certainly when we started playing again after the enforced break. Um, I think we felt going into it that the format would help us because we had player, we had a fairly deep roster in most places, except at center back, I guess I'd say. So um, we benefited, I think, from that, and maybe from, from, the, um, from the five subs rule. Um, but... It was still, I think, if if I had uh, looked at when the matches restarted, especially given that we had lost three in a row going into the break, I would not have expected us to. Um, I might have thought we would scrape into Europa League. I didn't expect we would um, get there as easily as we did. So... Does, does that mean Javi Kaleja stays as coach? Um, 
uh, all indications are apparently not. Yeah, so let's get into that. It looks like Unai Emery is going to replace Calleja, even though he did deliver Europa League football. What are your thoughts on that as a fan? If indeed Unai Emery is going to take his place, this is really, a, I think, a tectonic shift in how Villarreal is viewing itself. Because Emery, if he comes in, is certainly going to demand a lot more authority um, over signings and and everything than, than Calleja did. Um, I think, on the one hand, it's I have to say Emery's been a been a coach that I've always thought would be great at Villarreal, um, and it could be that the board has just decided this is their one chance to get him. Um, and I have to say that the other part of that is that when you look at Kaeha's record, he's essentially been coach for the better part of three years, um, even though only one of the seasons was a full season, and it was strange. If you look at his record, I think the board, I think it's questionable whether you can say, has he has he grown enough as a coach to take us to the next level? I think it's an I think it's a question that's out there, and he's done a great job in two seasons out of the three of sort of pulling the rabbits out of the hats toward the end of the season to get us better than we were afraid we would be. But ultimately, is he the person who is going to be able to manage the roster over three competitions, for example? Because this year we really benefited from the fact that we didn't have to play in Europe. And so he played a lot of his starting 11 was pretty much the same game after game. I don't know that I totally agree with that analysis, but I think those are the sorts of questions that the board has has been looking at and has probably decided that, you know, you can't give Kaeha total credit for such a weird 11-12 um, match uh, spread. I don't think that you can say that just because we got into Europa League again, um, I think most people would say, yeah, but your roster, you should have gotten there. So are you going to reward the coach who sort of did kind of what he was expected to do, albeit in a different way, or do you want to go out and, and go for somebody else? Yeah, that's kind of been my thinking with Villarreal. They have a great squad of great players, so they should be reaching Europe. Two of those great players, albeit two of the older ones, are now leaving. Both Bruno and Cazorla have played their last minutes for the club. How sad is that to see for a Villarreal fan? Bruno and Santi, oh boy. I think for a Villarreal fan, this is really the end of an era. Um, If you look back at their careers... They were are the last real links we have to the glory years of um, of the uh, run to the uh, semis of the Champions League and the second place in the league and that, that the, those Pellegrini years. Um, everybody else from those teams is is gone. They were the last two players from those. From those squads, and even though Bruno has been out for two years, I think 
as a Virial fan, you still just sort of expect to see him out there. And I think for Santi coming back and doing everything he's done to try to get us um, back into Europe and everything has just been, it's just been so magical to see him again. It's really sad to see um, the last the last match for both of those. And I'm sitting here wearing my Santi Cazorla shirt as I record this. Um, it's it's very bittersweet. And I think if it turns out that Calleja leaves as well and we see a whole big change coming at the club, it really is going to feel like the end of an era. Thanks, Alan. So yes, lots of goodbyes this weekend across La Liga. Ever Banega leaving Sevilla as well, even if he didn't get to play in the final round because he was suspended. But in a way, that's the perfect and most symbolic farewell for him. Mono Burgos had his last game in the dugout at the Wanda Metropolitano. He's set to stay on for the Champions League, but Atletico Madrid took this opportunity to bid him farewell officially. Referee Jose Luis Gonzalez Gonzalez is retiring too. He had his last game as he was in charge of Sevilla against Valencia. So it was an emotional round of action as we reached the end of the strangest and... For obvious reasons, the most tragic La Liga campaign, I think in history, certainly in my lifetime. Thanks to everyone who has been listening to this podcast at any point in this season. We really appreciate that and thanks for listening again today. And thanks to all the contributors we've had all season. Far too many fans, journalists and others from the world of football to name. Today we've had Heath Chesters, Paco Pollitt, Alex Fitzpatrick, Roman de Arker and Alan Dodson on. And my thanks, of course, go out to them for their time. I've been your host, Jim McTeer. We'll be back soon, of course, and you can keep track of all our plans for the UEFA competitions in August and for next season by following us on Twitter at La Liga Lowdown. For now, thanks a lot and take care.